I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Acts tonight. We're going to be looking at a number of different verses and some different passages here. Primarily, we're in chapter 11, if you'd like to turn to the book of Acts. Chapter number 11 is our text. I guess I could say the basic one. I'm going to ask you also to turn to the fourth chapter. We'll be referring to these verses. I want to read a few of them here in the beginning. Chapter 4, then when you've found chapter 4, I want you to, if you would please, go to chapter 9. All of this is in the book of Acts. And already I've mentioned 11, that's where we're going to spend most of our time. And then if you would uh, go ahead, if you're moving through there with me, turn to the 15th chapter. Acts number 4, number 9, number 11, number 15. I did that some time ago in another sermon, and a young preacher said to his buddy there in front, he said, surely Brother Hurd will find a sermon in one of those places. (laughs) I... uh, I want to do something this evening. I sense the Lord is directing my attention. I, I, I've known this since the very first day that he wanted me to share this scripture I'd thought perhaps last night. But then I, I found last evening was not the evening for it. And then I, I have no question, I have no confusion of mind about what he wants me to do. And it's a little bit different approach than you normally hear me, so that's, I've mentioned that, so that you, if you'll keep your Bibles in these places. I want to share with you something that I shared with our people, uh, I think I could say repeatedly, in the pastorate. Something that we kept coming back to. We wouldn't go long without coming back to it because it was so meaningful and God so used it in, in the fellowship where I was privileged to be the pastor. And what we want to do tonight, I'm going to read now. I want us to go to chapter 4 first. The book of Acts, chapter 4. You'll see here in a moment, I think, what, uh, what we have on our mind and on our heart. The fourth chapter. And... Uh, Let's begin in verse number, well, I don't want to save some time. It starts back up in about verse 32, the multitude there. They're all of one heart, one soul. Great power, great grace is upon that church, we're told in verse 33. And uh, many of these early believers, they actually... Uh, All of their possessions, lands and houses had been taken from them. And here a group has got together. And amazingly as it sounds and seems, they, they sold their possessions and they've pooled it together. And one person is singled out and mentioned by name down in verse 36. And Joseph, Joseph really is his name. 
who by the apostles was surnamed. Now, don't you miss this. Uh, look at it carefully. Surnamed, nicknamed, we'd say. And they renamed this fellow, and they named him Barnabas. And then he tells us why. He said, uh, the interpreta- interpretation of it is the son of consolation. Now, we don't use the word consolation in the sense that they're using it there. We would say encouragement. So you won't be off base if you would just kindly keep that in mind. I'm going to be talking about him tonight. I have in past titled my message, Meet Mr. Encouragement. The son of consolation, the son of encouragement. He was a Levite. He was of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And I'm told in that day, if you was fortunate enough to own property, own land in Cyprus, you was pretty well off. And here's a man... Having land, he sold it, and he's brought the proceeds, and he's put it at the apostles' feet, means he's put it there to be distributed where it was needed. Now, I won't read the other chapter, but there was a man and his wife. They, they observe him. They're envious of him. They'd like to have the recognition, but they do not possess his dedication. So they proceeded to do what he did. They sold a piece of property, but they didn't bring it all. They, they brought a portion, kept the rest of it, and lied about it. And right there in the beginning of the early church, at church, God killed a man and his wife. Very serious business. We're not looking at them. That's uh, another message, Ananias and Sapphira. But here tonight, I want you to think with me, and I want to try to bring it a little more into focus, what I'm, where I'm going, what we're doing I want you to think about Barnabas, and we'll we'll refer to this passage again. Look at the ninth chapter. I want to read two verses here, because when we get into a text, I'm just going to refer to these verses, and I want us to see them tonight. That's the ninth chapter, and uh, there's two or three verses here, about three verses. Look at verse 26, 7, and 8. And when Saul, later, you know, he becomes Paul, the apostle, when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to disciples. That is, he, he attempted, he tried to join, but they were afraid of him. They were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But who was it now? Took the initiative, shared his friendship. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and how that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. Now in the 11th chapter, that's where I'm going to read and take our text here and preach from. So if we'll pass that over and look at the 15th chapter. Chapter number 15 Verses 36 through 39. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. 
And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. I've had people ask me, Brother Bob, had a young steward ask me some time ago about that. There's a question he had after service. He, he, he said, which one of those was, was right? Paul or Barnabas? Uh, one of them, Barnabas, he... He took Mark and Paul, uh, he, he said, no, he can't go. He quit on us. And uh, rift between, the contention between them was rather sharp, it says. And uh, one of them went one way and one went the other. If you could bring Paul here tonight and ask him that question, you know what he'd say? Because Paul wrote later over in Second Timothy, his last letter, you know what he said? said, uh, bring Mark, he's profitable to me, to the gospel. He wrote, the, he wrote the book of Mark after this. And Barnabas is that kind of person. He'll give a fellow a second chance. Barnabas will trust a person. Barnabas is willing to lay it on the line for someone. And I want you to keep in mind now, these verses we read, shared his friendship with Paul, Saul. Here, he's sharing his forgiveness with, uh, with Mark here and willing to forgive him and trust him and encourage him. Someone said to me later one time, said, well, he, he was kin to him. Well, you ought not be ugly to a fellow just because you're kin to him, amen? Because <laughs> you're kin folks, you ought not be ugly. <laughs> and here's Barnabas uh, expressing Christian love, forbearance, kindness, forgiveness. I want you to keep it in mind. We're going to try to tie this together. In the 11th chapter, it's the more lengthy passage about this man. I'm going to ask you to stand. Would you do that? That'll change our position. Relax us here a moment. And uh, let's see. We'll break in about verse 19 of Acts chapter 11. And verse 19, And they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. That's a way of saying the power of God was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings, that is, news of of what's happening. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Thank you, and you may be seated. 
I've written a note here to remind me that the history that is recorded in the Bible is to inform us. Doctrine that's in the Bible is to instruct us. But example in the Bible is to inspire us. And what an example we have before us in this passage tonight. Let me repeat myself in the pastorate, the pastorate that I was privileged to be in and to be a part of those years from that I made reference here Sunday morning, made reference the other night, most of you were here. And uh, I picked up this sort of idea from a, a ministry that uh, I was aware of and a ministry that really impressed me. And I went there to try to learn because of what they were doing in their community for God and for good. And I, I went to try, rather observe and I, I asked God, Lord, I, I'd like to learn from your servants here. I'd like to learn from this ministry. And uh, among other things, I picked up on something that they had started there, and I give them credit for it. I, that's, that's why I mentioned it. I didn't originate this. But I came back and used three different people in the Bible as, a, as an example to inspire us as a church. And I said repeatedly, I preached sermons. I preached three basic sermons from these three different people. And I said to our church, my heart's desire for us as a fellowship is to incorporate these three truths in our lives and follow the example of these three people in the Bible. Abraham was one. Abraham, he prayed the first recorded intercessory prayer in the Bible. I preached to our people a message from Abraham's prayer recorded concerning the judgment of God when it fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. And God didn't spare the city because he didn't find at least ten righteous people, but he did spare Lot because of Abraham's prayer. You read that in the 19th chapter. It says, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the overthrow. And so I preached to our people using Abraham as an example. My heart's desire that our people become intercessory prayer warriors. We would be a church that sought God on the behalf of other people. I preached on Andrew. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He's the one that won Simon Peter to the Lord. It says in, in John chapter 1 that when, the, when, when he came to the Lord, the very first thing, priority, says he first findeth his brother Simon and, and saith to him, we have found the Messiah, the Christ. And the Bible says he brought him to Jesus. I preach to our people, not only do I desire and long and pray that our people will be intercessors, but our people will be soul winners. Our people will be a people to do and follow the example. And I recall using three major things. Looking at Andrew, the first thing he said, he findeth his brother, he telleth his brother, and then he bringeth his brother. And I said, if we can get involved in finding and telling and bringing, we can bring people to Jesus Christ. 
And I'd like to say it to the glory of God. We had a lot of people around on their work, in their community, when revival started breaking out. I mean, I've had people say to me, Pastor, I never knew I could do that. And, and they'd go witness, and, and they would bring people to church, and God would save them. I've had different ones say, I, I, don't have the, I don't have the confidence as they'd put it to try to, you know, pull the net on them. And, but said, I, I just get them to come to church with me and said, if I bring them, I know you'll preach to them, Brother Hurt. And they'd bring them to church and God was saving souls and, and about every service was baptizing people. I'm not tooting my horn. I know who I am. I'm just telling you that God started honoring that Abraham crowd, those intercessors. God started motivating the Andrew group. And, he, and, and see, evangelism, as I said the other day, talking, evangelism, it, it, it's caught more than it's taught. You get a few people winning souls in church, you know what that I mean, that's contagious. That rubs off on other people. And I'd somebody win somebody at the Lord. I'd bring them up here sometime. And I'd have them to stand with them. And they'd stand here in tears. And I'd say, tell us. A, and other people say, man, if he can do it, I can do it. And some of the ladies, they win people. And other ladies say, man, we're going to go out and witness. See, God's never commanded your community to come to church. He's commanded us to go where they're at. You won't win everyone, but I promise you, when the church goes out, God will let you win some. And then you keep going, you'll keep winning people. But you, that first is the intercessory. If we don't have an intercessory prayer, you can bring your whole community to church. If you have no power, you know what you'll do for them? Nothing. You can't, and you can't keep them the power. God's not around. That's why people go in churches and they don't want to go. They're bored. And, and, and you know, it's, it's just a drag to them. But you bring people to a church where God Almighty is at work and the Spirit of God's moving. They not only want to come back, they want to bring somebody with them. So there's the Abraham. That's the intercessor. There's Andrew. That's the soul winner. And my third one was Barnabas. That's the encouragers. I'd say to our people, I long to have a church that don't go around stepping on people and critical of people and su- su- uh, uh, always suspicious of people. And, you know, they, they, you know, they can't trust them. Uh, I, I, Barnabas, what an example. And I want to talk tonight about this aspect of that threefold challenge. I've already said something about the, interse- the intercessors. The soul winners, that's those that go out and, and tell the story. As Andrew did, he findeth his brother and he saith unto him. He began to tell him. And then it clearly says, he brought him to Jesus. See, we don't know that much about Andrew. Simon Peter, we know him. He preached that Pentecostal sermon, day of Pentecost, and 3,000 got saved. I said to our people, I can imagine old Simon Peter up there preaching, old Andrew over, and he's the outskirts of looking. And someone says, man alive. Who is that preaching? Andrew said, that's my brother. And said, you know who won him to the Lord? said, I did. <laughs> he didn't preach a sermon. Andrew didn't preach a sermon and 3,000 get saved. Andrew didn't write a book of the Bible. Simon Peter, he wrote two books of the Bible. But it was Andrew who brought, Je- brought Simon to Jesus. And so God will use you. And God will use... I mean, if you want to be used of God, if you want to be an intercessor, you can be. If you want to be an effective witness, a soul winner, you can be. And if you want to be an encourager, 
If you don't want to go through life putting people down and criticizing people and stepping on people, you can be an encourager and and, and they'll know you as the son of consolation, the daughter of consolation, the son or daughter of encouragement. And if you're interested in being in the encouragers crowd, let's see if we can learn something here. Now, I want to say five things. Now, my introduction is usually longer than my sermon. Amen. And so I had a long introduction tonight. And because I wanted to just tell you why I was doing what I'm doing, I'm not going to preach long. I'm going home. Man, I'm done packed up. I've got my suitcase in the car. I've done got everything. I just got to go through and pick up a couple items and and head it out. I I done called home. I done told my sweetheart. I said, stay away. Stay up till I get there. Amen. And uh, she said, what time? I said, 1230. I'll be there. She said, that's kind of late. I said, you better not. You better stay up. I'll keep on driving by if the light's out. Amen. So I get excited when I'm going home. I really do. But tonight, let's look at this passage, and it's chapter number 11 and verses 19. There's five simple things, very simple things I want to say. Let me just give them to you because they don't need any preaching. And the last one is what I'm going to emphasize a little bit. But looking at Barnabas, when they sent him from... uh, That to me just really says something because, see, this, this is a new church. This is Gentile people. And boy, they're over there, and, and, and you know the rift between Jew and Gentile, and, and that Jerusalem church, they hear about that. And, and to me, it really says something, the person they select to send over there and check on those young believers. You know who he was? It was Barnabas. You don't, you don't send a critic. You don't send some hard-nosed, legalistic, mean, critical fellow out to check on baby Christians like that. And so there's Barnabas, the wisdom of Barnabas, the kindness of Barnabas. And so they choose him, and that church sent him over to Antioch. And when he got there, what I want us to look at, there's five things. Let me put it, I put it a little outline for him. The first thing, look down at verse 23. When he came, had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all with purpose of heart, they'd cleave unto the Lord. And it says the reason why he can do all of this, that's what I want to emphasize. You don't be an encourager. This is an absolute must down in verse 24. He was a good man. Why was he a good man? He was full of the Holy Ghost. He was spirit-filled and of faith. He just believed God. He was a man of confidence. He trusted God. He stood on God's Word. And much people was added unto the Lord because of him going over there and being who he is. And then there's something else he did. Then departed Barnabas, and where's he gone? He realized it's too big for him. So he knows somebody that's capable. He heads to, heads to look for him. And said in verse number 26, And when he had found him, they tell me, the Greek scholars tell me the word brings into focus, there was an intense search for him. He didn't just casually go. He, he searched thoroughly till he found this man who wrote most of the New Testament, what a Bible teacher the Apostle Paul was. And Barnabas was humble enough to acknowledge he couldn't handle it. And he goes, gets him, brings him back there. And stayed there a year with them, establishing that church. And it made such an impression. They're the first people were called Christians. And they was given that title sort of, you know, as a derision to sort of ridicule or put down. Not knowing what a, what a high honor to be called Christian. And the reason it's called Christians, they were Christ-like. They were behaving like Christ had behaved. And they, and they tacked that name on them. 
And to me, it really says something who was there doing the instructing because of him being full of Christ, man full of the Spirit of God, is full of the Lord Jesus, really. You can't separate the Trinity, though they are three. But if you're filled with the Spirit of God, the, the traits of Jesus Christ and Christianity be in you tonight. So what are, you, what are we to see? What are we to emulate? What are we to follow about this good man? Well, let me put it this way. I want you to think, first of all, about what he saw. That's the first word. When he came and had seen what he saw. The second word, I kind of put these two together, but they are a little bit different. Not only what he saw, but what he sensed. What he sensed, he was glad. He perceived something. He detected something. I mean that in the sense of not just seeing. He sensed something about that group. Not only what he saw and what he sensed, but the third thing I'll say is what he said. What he said, he, he began to talk, he had something to say. The fourth thing that's about him that uh, I, I, I need to follow, need to emulate, need to set out, let him be my example, not only follow what he saw, I need to see what he saw, I need to sense what he sensed, I need to say well, as he said it, but what he showed. What he showed, there's something immediately you sense about him. But the main word, and the one I'll just mention here before I close, is not only what he saw, what he sensed, what he said, what he showed, but what he shared. What he shared, that's why I want to read the other verses. Those other verses will bring that into focus a little bit more. Only one, only one part, there's three parts of what he shared, and only one of them is here. You say, Brother Hurt, what did he see? Well, listen carefully. Uh, I made myself a note here. I, I, I said, I, I like a fellow that can go in and he's not critical of what they didn't have. He's rejoicing in what this baby church has. See, he wasn't there looking for their faults. He saw that indeed the grace of God, he, he, he sensed that, put those two words together, what he saw and what he sensed. He sensed that indeed God was at work there. And he was glad he could rejoice in the blessings of other people. Wasn't jealous of them. He wasn't envious of them. He wasn't critical of them. Now, there's a lot of things, a group of baby Christians like that, there's a lot of areas they need to develop and mature, but give them time. Don't be critical of, of people that just gets in because they don't have the convictions you have. A lot of times we're not careful. Some of us can rejoice with that God is working. We start looking at something that we can disagree with. And, and because of our critical nature, we're quick to put down and to find fault. Instead of being an encourager, we discourage people. And here's Barnabas. Somebody said, that's, oh, it's not compromise. God, God didn't think it was compromise. God honored this good man. And God's got it recorded for us tonight. And the reason oftentimes that I can't rejoice in, in someone, the work of God's grace in somebody, and, and can sense and be glad about it, is that oftentimes I'm trying to make them behave like I think they ought to behave and, and try to have convictions that I feel the convictions that I have. And if I'm not careful, I can't even receive people. And, and most of the time we have to change people before we can receive people. And people know that. They sense that. And they'll cross the street to get away from us. 
Not careful. We as a church, instead of going out with the good news, the gospel means good news. We go out and our first approach is to be negative and start putting people down. And it's the gospel. The power of God is in the gospel. And the gospel is good news. Sure, there's a judging aspect, but the gospel is good news. And if you start telling the gospel to people, the Spirit of God will take the message of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and He'll arrest their attention, and there is power in the gospel tonight. And it'll change people. And let's get them in, rejoice with them before we, you know, I mean, a lot of us, it's tough years for us to grow a little, and we want somebody to grow up overnight and fall out with Him if He does now, somebody said, I'm not coming back tomorrow night. I'm not either. Amen. <laughs> I better take that back. I don't want to act ugly. Lord will whip me, won't let me enjoy going home. Amen. <laughs> no, listen to me tonight. I tell you, oh, there's just something about. And you see, though, and I'm going to close by talking about why he was what he was. See, that wasn't personality trait. That wasn't just because he's got a bubbly personality and he's kind. No, that's the Spirit of God filling this good man. And there's no goodness within inner cells. And Brother Bob's already mentioned that. Anything good about us is the grace of God in us. What he saw, he is able to see, see, the, see the work of God. He was able then, he sensed it and said he was glad. And there was no jealousy and there's no envy. He rejoiced in the blessing that God was given. And keep in mind, this is a Gentile group of people. And he's Jewish. And, and, and the contention that had been between those, and many of those Jewish early believers, they didn't believe in God, and they didn't even want God to reach out to Gentiles. Many of them, the Pharisees, that's, you know, they were such exclusive people. And many of the early Christians that was converted out of that mindset. And here's God reaching across the racial barriers and building this church over there, those gen- and there's Barnabas, good old Barnabas. Somebody called him, I think Dr. McGeary, he said, good old Barney, amen. And I, I like that. What he saw, what he sensed, what he said. He's very positive. He, he's exhorting. He's urging. He's encouraging, if you please. That's the root word for encourage. Uh, But but more than that, with earnestness, he's encouraging them and and, and talking about purpose of heart, that they'd cleave unto the Lord, draw unto the Lord, stay close to the Lord. Have you ever really stopped to think how weighty our words are? I'm talking about what he said. Oftentimes, a negative, harsh word can drive people away. The Bible talks about words, how fitting words, appropriate words. He said it's like it's it's like apple of gold in a picture of silver. Here's a here's a silver picture, and you got a golden apple, and how appropriate, what beauty that is, how it fits. And he talks about words, words that's appropriate, kind words. All words you can destroy. The book of Proverbs says there is both power of life and death in the tongue. You can take words and you can kill people. You can destroy people. You can literally just 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 put people down so that you'll about destroy everything that's wholesome in them. But you can take that same tongue and you can speak a word of kindness and you can lift a load just by being kind to somebody. 
I used to say to our people, I want our church to be known as a church that you, you set out to help someone that's fallen. You go out of your way when you hear somebody that's down. And you go to them with the love of God because God loves you. You go and be kind. Even if they're unkind to you, I mean speak kindness back. And how many, many people testified in our church later said, and he, he named someone. I'm thinking of a man. He stood up in tears and he named another person. He worked with him. He said he spoke to me and said I, I was harsh and he said, I resented it and said he was so kind after I criticized. And he said, I couldn't handle it. He said, for the day was over, he worked at Ford Motor Company. He said, for the day was over, I sought him out and said, could you forgive me? Put it this way. Could you find in your heart forget to forgive me for being so mean? And he said, I don't have to find it. It's already there. You're forgiven. And he brought him to church and he got saved. And he said, I would have welcomed a good argument. And I was trying to get him to argue with me and said, his kindness like to kill me, he said. Are you listening? Oh, Barnabas, that kind of fellow. I'd say to our church, I want some people to see what he saw. He saw when he saw, the Bible said, and he got there when, when he had seen the grace of God. Oh, I want people, I'd say to our, I want our people to notice God at work in people's lives and be glad about that. Not what they don't have, but rejoice that God is beginning to work in somebody's life. What he saw, what he sensed, what he said, what he shared. You say, what did he share? Well, notice if you'd look, please, with me again. The Bible says that down in verse number uh, 25, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, that's 23, and verse 24 tells about his character. Then verse 25, then departed Barnabas to Tarshish for to seek Saul. And, and, and that's genuine humility in action here. Here is a man. Oh, he could have took all the, he could have basked in the, in the glory. Man, he's obeyed the church in him. I mean the first church, if you please. The first Baptist church of Jerusalem, if you please. You Methodists, excuse me, amen. But the first church of, of Jerusalem. <laughs> See, I mean the, the leaders of that church, they trust him. Well, he could have run around and said, listen, man, I'm representing the church. No. He sees something that he's not capable of. Well, are you listening? A genuine humility will recognize sometime when, the, when you're over, overwhelmed, you know, over your head, and you can't handle it. And you need somebody around you that can do something you can't do. I used to say when I'd look at leadership around the country, men that's truly leaders will recognize oftentimes that they need some help in some areas to shore them up. And I had some men on the staff could do some things that I couldn't do, and I knew I couldn't do it, and I knew that they had qual had some qualifications that I didn't have, and I'd ask God to help me. I mean, not to have to be number one in the spotlight and put some people around me could help carry the load that I couldn't carry. And here's a man. Oh, Saul is a tremendous. Saul wrote, the, wrote most of the New Testament. Saul, what an intellect. Even secular world recognized. One secular writer says Saul of Tarsus was one of the most, had one of the most brilliant intellects of any person in the first century world. And that's saying a lot for a, I mean, that's, that's a secular writer saying. And Paul was brilliant. 
And Barnabas knew who, who Saul was. And what he shared was his humility. And he said, listen, I know somebody. You, you, you just wait. I know somebody that God will use. And went and got him and brought him over there. And he stayed a year. And, and they called them Christians. But I close by talking about what he shared. The reason I want to read those other three things he shared, number one, his finances. He was a wealthy man, but he gave what he had. I'm not suggesting we have to be wealthy now to share. Don't read that into it. He shared not only his finances, he shared his friendship. And that's when he went and got, when he stood up for Saul, when others wouldn't even believe. Others were suspicious of him. Others didn't think he was a true believer. Who was it walked up there beside of him, said to everybody else, wait a minute. I heard him preach. <laughs> He's one of us. <laughs> and Saul needed a friend. Don't uh, undervalue, don't minimize the importance of friends tonight. Amen. Finances, he shared that. Friendship, he shared that. And the reason I read the last part, when Saul, when Paul gave up on Mark, it was Barnabas who shared his forgiveness. Shared his forgiveness in Acts 15. He shared his friendship in Acts 9. He shared his finances in Acts 4. And I used to say to our people, I would that God would help us as a church to follow that example. I mean, the tithe belongs to the Lord, and our giving comes after that. One that I have great respect for. He says, a real indicator of your spirituality is your giving. And I believe that. I really do. When people fuss about giving, they're not, yet, they're not right with God. They may be saved, but they're not full of God and walking with God. Because there's one thing that distinguishes God. God is a giving God. Always God is giving. And when God fills us, you'll look for someone. You'll want to share. You'll want to give. Especially if you care for something and care about something. If it's His cause and you love Him, you're wanting to give to His cause. Shared His finances. Shared His friendship. Shared His forgiveness. You know anyone that needs a second chance tonight? You know anyone that's failed? You know anyone that needs a good word? Oh, God will honor you if you'll... See, that's following His example. Did you ever fail Him? He didn't kick you out, did he? Oh, when I see someone down, someone struggling, the Lord immediately remind me, oh, how many times he's helped me at a point of struggle. And God will say, why don't you share a good word? Won't you tell them? Won't you tell them how good I am? Won't you tell them that, you know, fi uh, failure don't have to be final. You can start over. You can get up. You can, you, there's something you, God can still use you to do. There's your friendship, your finances, and your forgiveness. Now, you baseball fans, immediately when I mentioned the name Jackie Robinson, you recognize Jackie Robinson. He's the one that broke the color barrier. He was second baseman for the old Brooklyn Dodgers. In his own words, he, he, he says something like this. He said, in those days, how tough it was. All of the jeers, the catcalls, the slurs, the put-downs, just about everywhere they went, he said they just, they just roar at him. Only black player. 
He said, it didn't bother me so much till it happened at home. And said, it began to happen some at home. He said, I made a glaring error. He's second baseman. He said, I made a glaring error. A ball I should have caught, but I let it get, let it get by me. And he said, you never heard such booze, catcalls, racial slurs? And he said, it really got to me. And I just said, I, I can't take this anymore. It ain't worth it. And he said, I was stand, just standing with my head down there thinking I'm going to walk off and quit it. And he said, just as I was thinking that, he said, the arm of the shortstop, Pee Wee Reese, went around my shoulder and a kind word in my ear. He said, hang in there, man. We're all on the same team. He said, Pee Wee Reese's arm around my shoulder and kind word in my ear kept me in the game. Do you know somebody maybe is about ready to quit? And a kind word... And an arm on their shoulder and said, hey, we're in the same family. We're on the same team. Oh, share your friendship. Share your kindness. Would you stand with me, please? All over the room, my part's over. The Spirit of God's at work here in the building tonight. I just come to share my heart. And I, I, I was sincere when I, what I said to you. That was my desire, that threefold desire when I pastored at church at the west side of Indianapolis, that we would be soul winners, intercessors, and encouragers and set out to let the Lord work in and through us. All over the room, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Lest I be remiss, I'm grateful for every expression of your kindness. Grateful tonight for the privilege of being here this week. Thoroughly enjoyed the the Lodge and his family and all of your good music and every expression of your kindness, I'm grateful for it. Folks are still coming. There's just something about coming forward while God is speaking. I, I encourage it. I really do. I know you can do business back in your pew, but there's just something about when God is speaking for us just come and unashamedly just kneel and say, Lord, we're coming tonight because we heard from you. You may want to come. Lord may want you to come and just kneel and say, Lord, I'm coming to ask you to put this in practice. Help me to be an encourager. See, it ought to start at home. Sometimes we can be so tough on people we love. We can have unkind words. Sometimes our companion and we leave and not knowing how we've crushed their spirit. Sometimes some of us parents can nearly crush the spirit of a child and just nearly put them down with our harsh, brut statements. We ought to ask God to help us not to do that. Fill us with his love and cause us to be Christians. Our Father, seal your truth to us. Lord, I pray that you'll work tonight as only you can. May this meeting, the close of this group of services, may this meeting be a meeting that changes us. And for your glory, things will be different. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. While we wait, our brother's playing. The pastor will be here in a moment. Don't miss God tonight.